Thank you for tuning in to Lexington Road Ministries podcast. We're so thankful that you chose to stop by. We hope you enjoy today's message. Second Kings chapter 4 verse 1 and 2. I've preached from this many times, but a couple of weeks ago as I was preparing to preach uh, this new sermon series, and you're going to get the first one this week, and it may be a little while before you get number two on this sermon series, but God started speaking to me about some particular things in uh, this text. Bible reads, a certain woman of the wives of the sons of the prophets cried out to Elijah, saying, your servant, my husband, is dead, and you know that your servant feared the Lord, and the creditor is coming to take my two sons to be his slaves. So Elijah said to her, what shall I do for you? Tell me, what do you have in the house? And she said, your maidservant has nothing in the house but a jar of oil. Would you pray with me, Father? I thank you for people that just love you, people that love to be in your house. They love to pray. They love to fellowship with one another. But most of all, they just love to be in your presence. I'm thankful for people that come prepared to give to support the kingdom of God and the ministry that goes forth from this church. God, I'm thankful, God, that we're not alone in this journey. God, we have church family and physical family, and we have friends. And Father, most of all, I'm thankful for that friend that sticks closer than a brother, Jesus Christ. I pray for the next few moments that you would anoint my mind and my heart to speak words of truth. And God, that you anoint every ear and, and every heart to receive those things. And Father, whether they're here uh, in the sanctuary this morning or they're watching through Facebook, God, I pray that you would touch every soul, no matter how young nor how old. And Father, when we leave this place, let each of us say, it's been good to be in your house together. In Jesus' name, amen. Grandma Payne has Jude, that's the 10-month-old, and he is walking and getting into everything. So glad to have our kids with us from Dayton, Ohio. Would you let Chris and Katie know that you love them? The other two grandkids are over in uh, Children's Church. I had to acknowledge Chris and Katie because we always focus just on the grandkids. Any other grandparents in the house? Can I hear some amen and some witness from grandparents? Your house. Your house may look like some of these houses. I asked Holly as she was helping me prepare a few slides. I said, can you find a house that's about 3,000 years old? Because we would have to go back about 3000 B.C., 3500 B.C., in, in the middle of this story to find the house. So maybe the top house at the left. Now this bottom house is the left. Is the, that's the house I want at the lake or on a river somewhere. Uh, down on Cumberland, if, Brother Tim, when you're down there fishing, if you find something like that, text me about it. Uh, but houses come in many different shapes, many different sizes, and they have a lot of different meanings to us, uh, I was always told that a house is not a home until somebody lives in it. Anybody understand what I'm saying this morning? So when you begin to think about your house and where you're living, 
You begin to think about many different things in this world or this life. How many of you have lived in more than five houses in your lifetime? Raise your hand. Anybody lived in more than 10 houses? All these preachers' wives and preachers' kids, <laughs> they're raising their... Anybody lived in more than 15 houses? <laughs> it says, Chris, Chris, well, Latika, you've lived in more than 15... We need to have counseling with these folks. They're moving a lot. I hope you're in the last place that you plan on living, not unless Chris and Katie move to Richmond. That'll be fine for me to have the grandbabies every week where I can see them. But it's funny. Every time you move, every house has different features. Every house we, we see has different things. And there's usually something that we like or dislike about every house. In fact, Lisa and I said as we get slightly older, I know I'm only 29, but I can't tell how old she is, but she's getting close to retirement age, folks. And when we start getting a little older, we said we're going to downsize and... and I thought she was at home this morning. I'm sorry. We're going to downsize and we're going to build the dream house, the house that we've always wanted and wanted to live in. The problem is we can't agree what the dream house is after 38 years. She, uh, you know, she still wants three bedrooms. I said, we need one bedroom, you know, with uh, uh, double uh, walk-in closets and all this. And I said, then we just need one giant game room. I said, the kids or grandkids can all put up air mattresses and, uh, and have all that, but we need everything on one level because pastor has to go upstairs to get his clothes now. In fact, thank you, Katie, for helping me this morning because she's got all the downstairs closets taken care of. So when I design a house, it's going to take care of me and it's going to take care of some things we want. So you pray for us as we're designing that house over the next several years. But when you look at your house and you begin to think about the joys of your house, this is not the situation with the widow woman. In fact, there's some things that are parallel to my house. First of all, this is a spiritual house. It tells us that her husband was a prophet, even though he's deceased and dead at this time. In fact, I was trying to sleep last night, and my wife started praying, and she got louder as I was trying to uh, uh, snore a little bit. And I just started. I just woke up and started listening and praying with her. And uh, I guarantee some of you that know what I'm talking about, she was ringing the prayer bells of heaven last night. And that's a normal night for her. So I know that my house is a spiritual house because there's people that pray inside of this house, and there's people that talk to God and fellowship with God. So it's important in your house that you take time to fellowship with God because there's a lot of houses where there's no spiritual activity taking place today. And when there's no spiritual activity taking place in your house, whether that's your physical body or, or the four uh, uh, walls that you live in, when there's no spiritual activity taking place, there's some uh, shallowness that begins to happen. There's some things that try to creep in to take away and rob from you and, and destroy you. In fact, I, I would say the widow woman uh, kind of became a prisoner in her own house. 
The story tells us that she was fearing the creditors. Have you ever been in your house and you felt like you were a prisoner? I know when I had this boot on the first part of February and I was, and they told me I had to wear it for two solid weeks. I'm sitting there, man, I can't do anything. And and I was hoping people would hit me up to play words with friends, but I couldn't get Kevin to play me. And, and you know, I was, I was saying, hopefully I can spend some time reading and, and studying, but I, I've got a little, uh, not ADD, but you know, I can only read and study for so many hours. Uh, sometimes I got to take a break and, uh, 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 TV, there's not a lot worth watching, uh, on TV. I did watch UK come back and beat Florida yesterday. All you UK fans. Yeah. Then I watched Louisville get beat by Virginia. They're nemesis. Yeah. I know y'all all cheering about that. But she became a prisoner in her house. She was afraid of the creditors. Her husband is gone. She's afraid she's going to be in an empty house. Her sons are about to be gone because the story tells us that the creditors are coming to collect the debt. Anybody been there? You didn't know where the next meal was coming from. You didn't know uh, uh, where uh, uh, the next bill was going to get paid. You didn't know how you were going to take care of the kids. And here the creditors are coming to take away her only two sons. Uh, the sons are about to be gone. Uh, uh, there is nothing there. In fact, uh, when uh, uh, Elijah comes on the scene and begins to uh, talk or minister uh, uh, to the widow woman, uh, she says, I have nothing in the house out of food, no means to buy anything with. Uh, uh, she's uh, uh, not going to go, Sister Debbie, uh, over to uh, uh, Kids Connection, uh, uh, over here and, and apply for a job. Even though we need workers, she's not coming. Uh, there's no Kids Connection for her to get to. Uh, she's not going down to Wendy's, our favorite hamburger joint, and, and, and going to serve some fries or, or, or going to serve at the window. There's no Wendy's for her to find a job. Uh, she's not coming over to Myers or getting online to fill out an application. Uh, there's no places like during uh, her time. Uh, she is uh, at this place in time where she is becoming very concerned and very upset. And I say some of us have been there before. When your house used to be a spiritual house, when your house used to be in tune with God and in a right place with God, but the creditors creeped in and the enemies crept in and the problems and pressures and the trials of life have crept in. And what used to be a spiritual house has now become an empty house. Come on, y'all need to help me just a little bit. So what do we need to do? We need to change our house. You need to change your house. Look at your neighbor next to him. Tell him, there's times you have to change your house. Look at your other neighbor. There's times that you have to change your house. You can't wait for everybody else to come in and change your house. Sometimes you got to do something about the situation uh, that you found your life in. Sometimes you got to get a hold of God for yourself. And can I tell you this morning, you will never help anybody else's house till you take care of your own house. That's better preaching than you're letting on. You can't help anybody else, folks. 
Mom and dad, grandma and grandpa, if you want to do something for your kids, if you want to do something for your heritage, if you want to do something for those that you're going to leave behind one day, make sure your house is a spiritual house. Leave a solid and good foundation for the next generation that's coming up after you. And if it's not, change your house. And some of you look at me, Pastor, how do I change my house? Well, Latika, you don't have to move another 20 times. And you don't have to go from city to city. You, there's three principles here that God spoke to me about. If you're going to change your house, first you have to go from nothing to something. You've got to go from the nothing that the enemy has brought you into to find something. Paul, in Acts 25 and 26, Paul said, I have nothing. But with God, God takes the nothings and makes them something. Jeremiah wrote this in Jeremiah 38 and 14. Then Zedekiah the king sent and had Jeremiah the prophet brought to him at the third entrance of the house of the Lord. And the king said to Jeremiah, I will ask you something. Hide nothing from me. You have to go to the king of kings if you're going to change your house and change the atmosphere in your house. If you're going to change what's going on inside here at this physical house, in this personal house, you've got to get in the presence of the king. You can't change things by yourself. You need the power in the presence of the Holy Spirit to saturate you. And you need a relationship with Jesus Christ. Amen. And God can take those somethings or those nothing and make them something. But the widow woman begins to notice, I got a little oil. Isn't it amazing how we get looking? I'm going to try to walk around a little bit. Did you notice I pushed the chair back today? My therapist said I can stay in 30 minutes. I clocked over two miles on my phone yesterday and I and most of that was before noon. By the time I got home, I was on the couch with my legs stretched out. So I'm not going to preach much more than 30 minutes because I'm going to be obedient to my therapist, but Josh has my boot there. If I have to put it on, he'll come up here and put my boot on, won't you? <laughs> Cinderella. Y'all didn't hear him. But, but she noticed, it's amazing how we think we have nothing. There's so many times when we think we have nothing. Fears crept in. Doubts crept in. The creditors have crept in. Everything has crept in, and it's tried to take away the things that God has blessed us with, the promises of God, the word of God, the goodness of God, the love of God, the grace of God, the mercy of God, the peace of God. I'm telling you, there is something in your house when you quit focusing upon all the things you don't have and focus upon what he has for you. And I'm reminded in Scripture, little is much. Will you say that out loud with me? Little is much when God is in it. Come on, let's say that again. If you believe it, lift your hands up to the Lord. Little is much when God is in it. Let's say it a third time. Little is much when God is in it. How do I change my house? Going from nothing to something. Secondly, how do I change my house? You have to find someone who can help you. You've got to find someone to help you. I love Jude, but I'm not going to call on him to help me right now. 
And Charlie Joe, she's five years old. She walked in the door and wanted to know where her presents were. Yesterday or Friday when Josh brought her back from Dayton. She got to come a day early. I made the mistake when we were FaceTiming in the in the truck while he's driving her back down here. Papa, what's going on? Because that's Nana's, you know, her and Nana are tight, tight. And Nana has spoiled her rotten, rotten, rotten. I left one or two out, rotten, rotten. So she walks in the house, wants to know where her presents are. Well, we've got a present in a bag. She's looking at that bag. Oh, does that belong? No, that's a, one of the other adopted grandbabies. She, she started looking around. And I told her on the phone, I, I don't, how did I say that, Josh? You remember what I said to her? I asked you up in the office. I don't even remember what I said. I said, Charlie. Yeah, I said, well, you get here. I'll have a dollar for every kiss. Boy, when she realized what I had said, yeah, man, the kisses started flying. Papa was her new favorite. Didn't last but 30 seconds, but, you know, I made it up the, the list. She, no, I think it was 12 kisses just like that. Josh said it should have been 400. I'm glad I wasn't having him kiss me. I'm so, yeah, I've been in trouble. You got to find somebody who can help you. You got to find somebody who can help you. Genesis 2 and 18, when God was creating the heavens and the earth and he created man and female, he said it's not good for a man to be alone. He said, I will make him a helper. You need a helper. I need a helper. In Exodus 2 and 17, it said Moses helped them. And then later, Ben and Hur came along to help Moses, to lift up the hands of Moses. In 1 Chronicles chapter 12, Read that chapter when you get time. It said David had helpers of war, people that would go with him in battle. You need people that will go with you in battle when the debtor comes and the creditors come and the enemy comes. You need people that will stand beside you. Ezra 5 and 2, so Serubial, son of uh, uh, Shittel, and, and Jesha, uh, the son of Josedek, rose up and began. I wish they would use common names back then. They began to build the house of God, which is in Jerusalem, and the prophets of God were with them, helping them. You need to find a teacher or a preacher who can pour into you, thus saith the Lord. You need the word of God inside of you. If somebody believes that, give him praise this morning you need somebody to help you when my kids come along I'm usually there to help the kids but sometimes you need somebody to help you you need somebody that will be there, that will be that friend, that will be that, that support system, that will be that comforter. I've said it once and I'll say it again. We could not have asked for a better support system and a group of church family that loves us anymore during this time. And every one of us that go through those times where we need that help. Psalmist said in Psalms 22, 
May he send you help from the sanctuary and strengthen you out of Zion. Psalms 30 and 10. Simply, and we need to get this, the Lord is my helper. If you know he's your helper this morning, lift your hand, just wave it to him. Thank you for being my helper. Hebrews 13 and 6 says, so we may boldly say, the Lord is my helper. I will not fear. I'm not going to fear coronavirus. More people die of the flu every year. I'm going to use wisdom. I'm going to use strength. But I'm not going to panic, folks. God is in a control. Jesus said when he ascended to heaven. Yeah, come on, give him praise this morning. We've bought stock in antibacterial soap and lotion. Our nurse showed up Friday. And what we didn't have, she had shipped to our house. So if you run short, call us. I know Kroger's been running short. Is Myers running short yet? They're good. Yeah, they, they're buying a guy. When the flu was such bad, he ordered in advance. So they're good. But Jesus said when he ascended to heaven, he would send another comforter, a helper, who would dwell inside of you and be with you. You have the presence of the Holy Spirit with you. You have nothing to be afraid of. Get a hold of him. Find someone who can help you. And thirdly, lastly, if you're going to change your house from the mouth of babes, that's the 10-year-old grandson. Y'all hear him praising God? He's sitting there, I interpret, I'll give you an interpret it. Preach, Papa, preach. If you're going to change your house, you need vessels. And you need to find oil. Got a picture of my favorite, Bug Tussle. True story. Anybody know who that is? Yeah, yeah. My mom is from Bug Tussle, Kentucky. Do you know the Clampets are from Bug Tussle? If you know the history, they say it's Bug Tussle, Arkansas, where the Clintons are from. I don't know if there's a Bug Tussle. There is a Bug Tussle, Kentucky. If you got time for about a two and a half, maybe three hour trip, I'll be glad to take you there one day. We own my maternal grandparents' farm, which was about a mile from the town. The town used to consist of a grocery store and a post office. When I was about 10 years old, the post office closed down and turned into a pool room. You can tell Walt on that one. And uh, that's where I played some of my first pool with my dad. Uh, but you need to find uh, vessels and, and find oil. Jed Clampett found oil. It changed his house. It changed his life. He changed his address. He moved out of the hills and the shack and the slump, uh, slums, and, and he moved to Beverly Hills. He, uh, he even got a cement pond. My wife wants a cement pond one day, so you pray she gets her dream house. Yeah, Y'all didn't even know laugh at that. Y'all know what a cement pond is? Are y'all going to help me or am I going to have to preach for another 15, 20, 30 minutes? My therapist told me I can't stand that long, but you just watch me. You need vessels. You need to find oil. In this story, there's borrowed vessels. There's empty vessels. There's those vessels. There are brought vessels. There's full vessels. And there were no more vessels. You need to find some vessels, and you need to find oil. If you don't have any vessels yourself, you go to the neighbors and borrow some. You get a hold of somebody that borrows some. Sometimes it's somebody else's relationship with God. Somebody else breaks out singing in church or breaks 
breaks out, a revival breaks out in their heart and it spreads like wildfire. That's what I'm talking about. Uh, when I say borrowed vessels, you need to get in a, a, a place where somebody has got some anointing on, has got a, a relationship with God and, and they can rub off on you. Because from time to time, we all become empty vessels. She sends the boys out. Now, I was going to use some them good-looking young men. I don't. They left you today, Devontae. Them older guys, you know. But they 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 start going from door to door, door to door. When you, when, you, when you get to your wit's end, when you don't have anything, anything else or, or anybody else to turn to, you, you'll do some drastic things. You've probably heard it said, uh, some people have to hit the bottom before they start looking up. Uh, anybody else can witness to that? That's where I was at when Jesus Christ found me. I hit the bottom. I was at the lowest of lows. I was like Paul. I was the chief of sinners. Uh, but Jesus uh, came down just like he met Paul uh, on, or saw at the road to Mass. It changed his name to Paul. You need to get a hold of God. Find somebody that is anointed. Borrow some vessels. Find something that you can pour into. That's the other thing. I love this story. You know when the oil stopped? It's when they quit finding empty vessels. You want to know why uh, over uh, it's statistic over 1,500 churches close their doors every month in our nation? Because they quit looking for empty vessels. They quit looking for people to pour into. Uh, they quit, uh, they uh, quit reaching out in their th into their uh, community. And they started focusing on uh, who uh, uh, they need to please within the, side, uh, the four walls of the church. Uh, you hear this pastor and you hear it loud and strong. I didn't come here to preach the word of God to please anybody that sits in this building. I come to preach the word of God to please the one that sits on the throne. His name is Jehovah Jireh. He is my provider. He is the Lord. He is the king. I come to worship him and honor him, and I want to be pleasing unto him. Anybody else like that, give him praise. <laughs> Hebrews, they would use olive oil for anointing the body or the hair. In Hebrews, they would use uh, uh, the oil uh, for uh, some of their offerings. They would use the oil to burn in their lamps. In Hebrews, they would uh, use the oil for uh, medicinal purposes. For Hebrews, they would use the oil for anointing the dead. It, it, they would use it uh, uh, for uh, a sign of gladness. In Hebrews, it, it was uh, abundant. It was one of the most valuable products of the country. You need to know that, uh, that the oil... Is still got power today and his anointing wants to saturate you. He wants to be inside of you and the presence of God wants to be with you and he can change your house. He'll change your attitude. He'll change your outlook. Come on, Sister Loretta. For all you've been timing me. Anybody else come to worship him today? Would you stand to your feet and just lift your hands? Anybody else just come to worship him today? Part of my favorite Psalms, this is our last scripture we'll look at. How many of you know the Lord's my shepherd? Anybody else know that he's your shepherd today? When everything is upside down in your house, 
and you're living in a, looks like a upside down pineapple cake. God can straighten your house. Verse 5 says, God, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. This is David. He knew about enemies. His own father-in-law wanted to do away with him. I'm glad I've got a great father-in-law. I got something for you. And I didn't tell you this. You may have read it on Facebook. But I knew we had $4.99 after six of these people were going to join church. And my friend back there, I called him yesterday. I said, if you join church, because he's wanted his kids to be here, and he's not an upfront person. I said, if you join church tomorrow, if I calculate it right, he will make number 500. One of his dreams. One of his goals as he pastored here faithfully for 18 years, four months, six days, 12 hours, 13 minutes. As, he, as he's given more than 50 plus years of his life to the ministry and the cause of the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's been a goal of mine to make sure that we strive, to hit that. not for numbers sake, but can I tell you, Numbers represent the kingdom of God. They count, souls count. And there's people here who have been coming for years. You may have never joined the church. I believe membership is important. It's important. It says I'm committed to the vision and the values of this local body and reaching out. So if I never give you another gift, I know your birthday's next month and I know you're going to try to be with me on your birthday. Yeah, you're looking. I take him out to eat every time where the guy tried to, most times. And him and mom, y'all didn't catch that, father-in-law and mom. That's how much we love each other. There's no people in the world that I love anymore. But him and mom are stopping their life to go with us and be our help. I promise you, if you'll get your house in spiritual order, when there's times that you cannot make it on your own, God will send some help. He'll send some helpers to be with you. He'll send a, a support system, people that will stand with you, that won't only say, how can I help? But they'll just show up to help. God is an on-time God, and he shows up to help you. He'll prepare a table before you in the presence of your enemies. Praise to you, up. When the creditors, when the critics, when the people in your house and the people outside of your house cast fear and doubt, he'll send the presence to be with you. He'll anoint your head with oil and your cup will run over. Somebody just begin to cup your hands and lift them to heaven. Close your eyes. And this is what he says, surely goodness and mercy is going to follow you all the days of your life. 
And David said, even though I've messed up and even though I failed and even though I've had to hide in caves and I've run and I've committed adultery and I've sinned and I've looked up on Bathsheba and I've messed up so many times, I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. God's waiting on you and I to get our spiritual house in order. He's there. He cares. He loves you. And maybe you're here this morning. Maybe you've just been playing church or going through the motion. Or maybe you don't have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ because the day that we live in, it takes a personal relationship. You can't make it on grandma and and grandpa's blessing and mom and dad's blessing. You need to get some for yourself. And he's here waiting on you to dwell with you. He's here to help you. And I promise you, he'll turn your nothings into somethings. Every eye closed and hands just uplifted to him. If you need him this morning, just lift your hands to him today. If it's been a while since you've worshipped him, just worship him for a few moments. They sing one of my favorite songs. Just lift your hands to him. Maybe you need to rededicate your heart to him or make some new commitments today. Maybe you've never been saved. The word says today is the day of salvation. Now I want you to take a step when they begin to sing, will you just join me in these altars and worship him? And if you have a need, there'll be people that come around you to pray with you. Come on, as they begin to sing, come and join me this morning.